uh, and so uh, they come, they present themselves before God, and Joshua said to all the people, uh, so now he's before all the people, not just the leaders, but the leaders are there standing with him uh, in agreement with what's going on. And Joshua said to them, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Your fathers dwelt on the other side of the flood in old time, uh, even Terah, the father of Abraham, and the father of Nacor, and they served other gods. They were, they were, they served the moon goddess. Uh, they they were from the Ur of the Chaldees. Uh, they were in that place. They were idol worshippers, and God reached in, spoke life to them, brought them out, separated them, uh, and brought them to a place uh, of separation, but a place of blessing. Uh, and isn't that what he always does? Uh, not just with Abraham, but it certainly is a picture of you and I as we get saved. He brings us out of idol worship, brings us, separates us from those things, and, and delivers us in, into a place of blessing. Uh, and what a wonderful thing that is. And so he says, that, and I took, whoa. Sorry, I think the prince of the power of the air just took over for a second there. I don't know. Uh, so I, and he says in verse 3, And I took your father Abraham <laughs> from the other side of the flood uh, and led him throughout all of, all of the land of Canaan and multiplied his seed and gave him Isaac. Uh, it wasn't Abraham that got Isaac. It was the Lord giving him Isaac. Uh, and as you notice as we go through, uh, uh, you look at verse 3 and it says, I took. Speaking of God saying it, verse 4, I gave. Uh, down a little bit further in verse 4, I gave. Verse 5, I sent. Uh, the end of verse 5, I brought you. Verse 6, I brought you. Uh, verse 8, I brought you. In uh, a little further down in verse 8, I gave them and I destroyed them. Uh, so in verse 12, I sent. Uh, verse 13, I have given you. Uh, so all these things of what the Lord has done. Uh, and, and remember, Joshua speaking for the Lord, and certainly what a, what a responsibility that is to speak for the Lord. In the days that we're in especially, as we speak life into people, as we speak life to their hearts, to their lives, uh, we're speaking for the Lord. We're representing Him in how faithful we need to be in that place uh, of speaking rightly. And we can't speak rightly unless we know the word, unless we know the God that we're speaking for. Uh, it would be awful to have an ambassador for this country go somewhere else and say, I hate America, <laughs> uh, and to be an ambassador for this country, even though we see some of our representatives doing that, but I won't get political. Uh, but uh, here they are in that place representing America and just destroying it. Uh, and certainly we want to be in that place where we don't do that. We want to represent him well. And here's Joshua in that place uh, of just representing the Lord to the people and speaking for the Lord. Uh, and what a responsibility. And you really have to have that relationship with the Lord to be able to speak for him, to say this is what the Lord has said. This is what the Lord has done. And this is who God is. Uh, and he says, I, I took your father. Abraham from the other side multiplied his seed, gave him Isaac, and I gave unto Isaac, Jacob, and Esau. 
and I gave unto Esau, Mount Seir. Even though Esau was ungodly, he was uh, a carnal man, uh, he was given to the lust of the flesh, uh, but God provided for him. He said, I gave him this place for him to possess it, and it was his. And remember, when uh, Israel went in, they, they couldn't destroy Mount Seir. They couldn't go into Edom because that's what he had given to Esau. He said, that's your brother's. You leave it for him. You don't touch that. Uh, so I gave unto Esau Mount Seir to possess it, but Jacob and his children went down to Egypt. And so I sent Moses also and Aaron, and I plagued Egypt according to that which I did among them. And afterward, I brought you out, uh, and I brought your fathers out of Egypt, and you came unto the sea, and the Egyptians pursued after your fathers with chariots and horsemen under the Red Sea. So Joshua speaking to the people, bringing their history to the forefront for them so that they could remember all that God has done for them. And sometimes we need that, don't we? We need to remember what God has done for us. Uh, it tells us in scripture, I think it's 255 times to remember. Huh. Uh, he tells us to forget our past, but we don't want to forget what God has done to us. We forget our past uh, and we remember what God has done in, in the past for us. Uh, and so he, he tells them to remember what God has done for them because it's going to encourage them in their walk with the Lord. Uh, in their dealings with the Lord, in their dealings with others, that God is at the forefront. And so he said, I, I sent Moses and, and Aaron, uh, and I brought you out afterwards, and I brought your fathers out of Egypt, and came unto the sea. The Egyptians pursued after your fathers with chariots and horsemen under the Red Sea. And when they cried to the Lord, he put darkness between you and the Egyptians and brought the sea upon them and covered them. And your eyes have seen what I have done in Egypt, and ye dwelt in the wilderness a long season. <laughs> yeah, 40 years. <laughs> Picking up camp, moving it four miles, putting down camp, days, weeks, months at a time. Uh, just all the things that, that God had done for them and with them and to them. And I brought you into the land of the Amorites, which dwelled on the other side of the Jordan, and they fought with you. The, these tribal groups that were there, they came, they fought with Israel because they didn't want Israel to come in. God had already given them the land. Uh, and he said, I brought you in uh, and they, they fought with you, but I gave them into your hand. It wasn't that they were great warriors. It was that they had a great God. And it's not that we're great warriors but we have a great God who's able to keep us and able to deliver us. And that's what we need to remember. You know, you, you look at Ephesians and you look at all the armor that we need to put on. And then he says, after having done all of this, stand. But we can't stand. We don't have the strength to stand. We don't have the strength to fight. But we've got a great God who's able to make us and able to bring us to that place where we can. It isn't our strength. It isn't how much we've read. It isn't how many times we go to church. It's our God that we know him. And he's the one that delivers us and helps us to stand in those days. We have no strength to stand, especially against the wiles of the enemy. But, but God, who is rich in mercy, <laughs> wherewith he's already loved us, uh, he's given us that. So I gave them into your hand that you might possess their land 
and I destroyed them before you. And that's what he does for you and I when he brings us out of a place that's idol worshiping, uh, out of a place that's full of the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. And he brings us into a place of separation. He says, I destroyed them before you. All the mountains that are before us, all the what ifs that, that our mind can come up with, the Lord can destroy those things. Sometimes they become mountains to us. They're just so huge. They're almost like a Goliath. <laughs> uh, and we're like little David coming out. And we have no clue, but we have a God who teaches us, a God who leads us and guides us. But you have to have that relationship with him before you can be able to do that. And we've got to rest in him and trust him. Uh, not because we have to, but because it's the best thing for us. You can try and do it on your own. <laughs> Have a good time. <laughs> it isn't going to do you any good. <laughs> you're going to fail. And, and when you fail, you're going to feel awful and, and get depressed and miserable. And, and, but God, who is so faithful, is still going to reach in and minister to you even in the midst of that. But the best thing is, is to let him put darkness between you and your enemy. They walk in darkness. You're walking in the light. Isn't it amazing? Israel could see where they were going when, when Egypt was coming after them. And it says the Lord stood between them and Egypt and he caused darkness to fall upon Egypt so they couldn't move. But Israel, what did Israel do in the meantime? They crossed over into the promised land. They crossed over into that place where, where it was going to be good and, and right. They crossed over while the enemy couldn't move because they had light and we have the light of the world and jesus in john chapter 10 talks about himself being the light of the world i am the light of the world i am going to be your light you need direction let him be your light let him shine those those paths for you so that you can walk in those ways uh, and i destroyed them for you and then balak <laughs> he says as he comes through the history <laughs> Then Balak, the son of Zippor, uh, never mind, uh, king of Moab, arose and warred against Israel and sent and called Balaam, the son of Beor, to curse you. Imagine a prophet. He was called a prophet in Scripture. He's an ungodly country calling a prophet of God to come and curse Israel. And all because of the lust of the flesh in the pride of life, this man agrees to it and comes. But look at what God did. But I would not hearken unto Balaam, therefore he blessed you still. It wasn't that he wanted to bless him, he wanted to curse him because he, he saw his bank account going way up. <laughs> but it didn't work. And every time he wanted to, to curse him, God wouldn't let him. And he spoke blessing on Israel. Oh, so I delivered you out of his hand. We can't fear what man can say. We just trust what God has already said. And so uh, uh, I wouldn't listen to him. Therefore, he blessed you still. So I delivered you. This was another place of my deliverance. And certainly for you and I, we've been delivered by the Lord. Uh, we've been delivered from our past sin. We're being delivered even now from ourselves. And one day we're going to be delivered from these earthly tents. 
and I can't wait for that one. <laughs> I'm ready for a new body. <laughs> the more I move, the more I hurt. Uh, just This is just awful. Uh, and so he says in verse 11, And you went over the Jordan and came into Jericho, and the men of Jericho fought against you. Look at the battles that you've been through, and as you look back over your life since you've been saved, you realize that God has been in the battle for you. He's delivered you from those temptations. He's delivered you from the issues of life. He's delivered you from those things that would cause you to, to drown uh, in just the complications and in the awfulness of what the world has done. It was just a couple of days ago, the Church of England <laughs> has decided as a denomination, uh, we know it's happened already in a lot of scriptures, in a lot of Bibles, but now the Church of England has endorsed it. They no longer will have a Bible that speaks about the masculinity of God. It's either going to be she or it. Where do you think the world is going? And yet they're going to call themselves Christians. Not everybody who calls themselves a Christian is a Christian. Beware. You can look at the fruit of their lives and you can pretty much discern where they are. But folks, we don't know. We don't know the heart. God knows the heart. And if you've truly repented and come to faith in Jesus Christ because of what he has done, not because of who you are, uh, then you know. And the Spirit of God bears witness with you. It, it tells us that in Scripture. It confirms to you that you are a child of God. And boy, what a blessing that is to know that, that we don't have to be involved with, with what the world is doing. Can you imagine if you had to be involved with it and to send your kids to a school? There was a case in England. Uh, it was just in Harbinger's Daily a couple weeks ago. Uh, a lady had her child, four-year-old, in preschool. They took the kids to an LGBTQ conference without the parents knowing. She sued them. It took five years for the case to come to court. The child is now nine years old. It just got to court. It hasn't even been decided yet, as far as I know, but how awful is that? But can you imagine if you and I were to endorse a system that would do that to kids, that would do that to adults? that would kill those with Down syndrome because they aren't as good as anybody else, as in some of the countries they're doing now. Just an awful thing with what the world is doing. And yet, can you imagine if we were involved in that, the guilt that would come upon us for what we've done and what we voted for in the way that we were? and the examples that we were to those around us. My past still haunts me at times because the enemy keeps bringing it up. Remember what you did to that girl? Yeah. Remember what you did to that guy, what you said to him? Yeah. But thank goodness I'm forgiven because otherwise the guilt would just kill me because we did awful stuff. I know you guys did. <laughs> okay, we got to go on. Uh, <laughs> and so 
Uh, he says, And you went over the Jordan, and you came to Jericho, and the men of Jericho fought against you, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Gergesites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, seven tribes. Uh, all the yites, uh, they must have been related. And I delivered them into your hand. These seven tribes, God delivered all of them. Seven, the, the number of completion in scripture, the number of perfection. So they completely took out what the enemy wanted to do in the land. Hmm. And I sent the hornet before you, which drave them out before you, even the two kings of the Amorites, but not with a sword, nor with a bow. God says, I did it on my own. I'm going before you to lead the way and to drive out those enemies that will overtake you. If you allow me to go before you, if you don't run ahead of me and try and take over my leading, then I'll drive those things out of your life, those things that'll distract you, those things that, that'll hurt you. I'll take care of those. I'll let you go into battle in certain times when I know that, that it's needful for you, but sometimes I'm going to drive out things for you. I don't know about you, but sometimes, you know, you look back over your past and, and everybody has a different testimony of the things that the Lord has taken away immediately and some of those things that, that the Lord has taken a long time to get out of your life. <laughs> I, I, drinking and drugging and smoking, the Lord took right away. It's amazing. I never thought I could give those things up. And yet other things, he still left in there. My driving. <laughs> and he sends me out every day. Here, are you going to learn? <laughs> no. Uh, so I sent the hornet before you, which drave them out from before you, even those two kings, but not with a sword, not with a bow, but by my might, by my spirit, saith the Lord. And I have given you a land. Which you did for which you did not labor. <laughs> I've given you things that you didn't even labor for. I've given you peace that you didn't labor for. I've given you joy that you didn't labor for. I've given you forgiveness of sin that you didn't labor for. My son did it for you. Oh. In cities which you built not. And we're, we're going to dwell in a city one day. It tells us in scripture. That new city of Jerusalem coming down out of heaven. 1,500 miles cube. Going to be... I, I can't even imagine. How do you do that? I, I still have trouble thinking, how does that plane stay up in the sky? <laughs> Just, and he's going to drop a whole city, 1,500 mile cube, out of heaven for us. Just, oh. In cities which you build not, and you dwell in them. You dwell in those places, in the vineyards, in the olive yards which you planted not now do you eat you, you you're the one that's now a partaker of those things uh, and listen to what it says it, it says uh in uh ephesians uh first uh three verse six uh it says this uh, about being a partaker that the gentiles should be fellow heirs so they're talking about jews and gentiles uh, being fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise. We get to be a partaker of the promise of God that he's going to dwell in us, that he's going to bring his Holy Spirit to us uh, and be with us. Uh, it, it tells us this uh, in Colossians uh, chapter 1, verse 12. It says, We give thanks unto the Father which has made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. 
we now get to be partakers in the light of God shining in us and through us. The light of the world. In Hebrews, uh, it tells us this in chapter 3, uh, verse 14. He said, For we are made partakers of Christ if we behold or if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast till the end. Hang on till the end. We're partakers of Christ. He's the head, we're the body. We're partakers in the promises of what God has done through Jesus Christ. Oh, how sweet is that? The world is making promises. Our government makes promises. <laughs> and they so often fail because they never satisfy. There's only one place where there's contentment and satisfaction, and that's a walk with Jesus. That's the only place. So he, he says, you're, you're partakers now in the things that you haven't even labored for because I labored for you. Remember in Genesis, it, it talks about the Lord and he, he created day one, day two, day three, all the way through day six, and then day seven, what? He rested. And then we sinned. He picked up the, the gauntlet again and started working. And what did Jesus say on the cross? It is finished. The work is was done the work of salvation for you and I was accomplished and arrested because he sat down on the right hand of God the Father when a priest sits down it means the work is finished that's why there's no chairs in the temple because the priest is never finished with his sacrifices or with his offerings or with his prayers because they're not finished only God can finish it for us that's why we trust him God you're the author and the finisher of our faith you're the one that brings us into it. You're the one that finishes it for us and brings us home to heaven. Oh, so we trust him, especially in the days that we're in. It's, it's getting so, so bad out there. It's getting so awful. Uh, but God, who is rich in mercy, is going to bring us through it. Yea, though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Do you ever feel like you're in a shadow in this world and it's dying around you? Oh, and you look at some people and, and you just think they're already dead. You look in their eyes and there's just nothing. And you just, to me sometimes it just makes me cringe. Because you wonder what they've been seared from and, and to. And, and they're just completely empty. There's just nothing. No response, no nothing. And it's just, it's scary to see where a person will go just to satisfy the lusts of their own flesh. Just so awful. And so he, he says in verse 14, Now therefore, because of all that, because of all he's given us, because of all he's provided for us, because of all he's done for us, he says, Now therefore, stand in awe of the Lord, fear the Lord, have reverence for God. Uh, in having reverence is not just doesn't mean you go to church on Sundays and Wednesdays or Thursdays and and think that that's honoring and fearing the Lord. You have a reverence for God all the time in your life. There's a reverence that's there. There's a holiness that comes to your life. Uh, reverence the Lord and serve Him. Uh, part of walking with the Lord is serving Him. Uh, and how do we serve Him? We serve Him by being faithful to Him. That's the service that we have for him. 
because we can't give him anything. He already has everything. He already knows everything. He's already done everything. The only service, the only worship we can do is just by believing him, trusting him, and walking in those truths. And so trust him. Uh, and he says, serve him in sincerity and in truth and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood. Uh, there's something in that that you, you've got to catch because we're going to see it again in about five verses. But he says, put away the gods that your fathers served on the other side of the Jordan, which means that they're carrying idols with them into the land. We're going to see it in just a minute, so hang on. Uh, put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt and serve the Lord in him alone. <laughs> um, and if it seem evil to you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but as for me and my house, we know this verse, we repeat it, we give it to others. Uh, notice what he says, we will. Not we might, not we could, but we're going to. We are going to serve the Lord. <laughs> and, and really, that's, that's a heart that's purposed and prepared to do the Lord's will. And we really have to come to that place sometimes, don't we? As we're out in this world... Lord, I'm going to serve you and not serve the other master. Because scripture says you can't serve God and mammon too. There's only one God that we can serve. If you're trying to serve two, you're not going to make it. Because you're going to have to choose one or the other. And depending on the circumstances, we know which one we'll choose. And we see the world choosing one world. Hmm. And we see the results of that as you go through scripture. How awful that is. And the destruction that's going to come because of it. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. <laughs> Can you imagine living in his house? <laughs> Growing up as a kid. Guess what we're doing today? Well, we're not going out. <laughs> and the people answered and said, God forbid that we should forsake the Lord. Have you ever said that? <laughs> God, if you answer this prayer for me, I'll never do that again. <laughs> Wrong. <laughs> oh, we're so sad. God forbid that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For the Lord, for the Lord our God, he it is that brought us up and our fathers out of the land of Egypt. Truth. From the house of bondage. Truth which did those great signs in our sight, truth, and preserved us in all the way wherein we went, truth, and among all the people through whom we passed, truth, and the Lord drave out from before us all the people, true, even the Amorites which dwell in the land, therefore we will also serve the Lord, for he is our God. <laughs> no. Verse 19, and Joshua said to the people, this is strange. After them going through all of that and the proclamation that they've just made, look at what he says, you can't serve the Lord. What? But we just told you we're going to. Joshua's sitting there saying, I've, I've already seen from the Lord that you're already serving other idols. You're speaking out of both sides of your mouth, as we would say. 
You're saying you're going to serve God and then you go out and serve your flesh. You say you're going to serve God and then you go out and serve uh, the world. It says he is a holy God, he is a jealous God, and he's not going to forgive your transgressions or your sins. And you go, whoa, wait a minute. I thought you were a forgiving God. I thought you were a loving God. He is. Hold your place here. Uh, we're going to go to a strange place, Ezekiel 14, uh, if you would. Uh, uh, because in this chapter, we kind of see what's going on. We, we've got the elders of Israel in this chapter, and they, they want the things of the Lord, but they don't want to go the way of the Lord. And isn't that just like us? They will do anything that they can to get to a place of having what's comfortable for them rather than the things that are right. And, and folks, for you and I, some things are going to get real uncomfortable for us. But if we cave into those things, then we're trying to hold the world with one hand and trying to hold the Lord with the other hand. And it's not going to work because we're going to drop one of them. And that's scary. I've already told our congregation when they come and get me and throw me in jail <laughs> for, for reading the word in, in certain portions of it, which, by the way, in Canada is illegal now since they passed that C4 bill. Uh, 338 people in Parliament, every single one of them voted for this bill. Not one voted against. You can't speak against homosexuality. You can't speak about a, a deviant lifestyle. And if you do, you're subject to jail, fines, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Already there. How can you read the whole Bible? What do you do, tear up at those pages? You, you got a book with about 10 pages left in it. <laughs> By the time you get done offending everybody. Because <laughs> what does scripture say? The, the word is offensive. It's offensive to sin. <laughs> and that's where most of the world is in Ezekiel 14 and it says then came certain of the elders of Israel unto me and sat before me so Ezekiel's there the elders have come because they know he's a prophet they know he's a man of God they know he's listening to God and God is going to speak through him and it says and the word of the Lord came unto me poor Ezekiel because <laughs> these guys are all sitting there before him affirmus Make us feel better. Speak nice things to us. And he goes, oh boy. <laughs> Son of man, these men have set up their idols in their heart. Look at what it says, not in their tents, but in their heart. And you can be free of idols in your house, but if your heart has got an idol, you're already serving two masters. Oh, this is scary. They set up idols in their heart and they put the stumbling block of their iniquity before their face. And God says, should I be inquired of at all by them? Should I let any of them come to me and, and ask me questions? Oh, isn't that scary? Because how many times have we put idols in our heart? Even ministry can become an idol. Church going can be an idol. Reading your Bible through in a year can become an idol because it's something that you've done rather than something that God has done for you and through you and in you. 
And there's nothing wrong with Bible reading programs and getting through the Bible in a year and all of that. But, but the heart behind it, why are we doing it? Just so we can tell people I read through the Bible? God goes, big deal, I wrote it. <laughs> what are you going to do with that one? Just, it, it doesn't matter, but it becomes an idol to us. Looky what I've done. Oh, Therefore speak unto them. So God tells Ezekiel, speak to the elders, speak to those representatives of me in that country, speak to them and say unto them, thus saith the Lord God, every man of the house of Israel that sets up his idols in his heart and putteth the stumbling block of iniquity before his face and cometh to the prophet, I the Lord will answer him that cometh according to the multitude of his idols that I may take the house of Israel in their own heart, because they are all estranged from me through their idols. Why would Joshua say, put away the idols, unless the people of Israel already had idols? God doesn't waste words. He doesn't say, just in case you ever get the feeling that you might set up an idol in your heart. He said, you've already done it. You're just waiting for the fulfillment of it to come to pass in your life that you'll see that you've got this idol there. And that's why I think the Lord tells us to search our hearts, to examine ourselves, to see where we are in our walk with him. Because it's so important, especially in these days, to have a right walk with the Lord. Because folks, you and I, as we go out into the world, are representing Jesus in every place that we are. Oh. <laughs> I can do it. <laughs> Cass, Cass told me the other day, because I keep talking about my driving, because it's one of the things that's in the forefront. And she goes, you probably shouldn't say that anymore, because you use it all the time. And I go, why not? She goes, because it just shows you're not really doing anything with it with the Lord. <laughs> and I'm sitting there going, you're not speaking comfortably to me. <laughs> But isn't that a truth? You know, you know it, it's almost an iniquity that I'm just blown off and saying, yeah, it's okay. It's not okay. So forgive me if I've led you the wrong place so that you're now out on the expressways yelling at people. Uh, Pastor Billy said it's okay. Uh, <laughs> but, but back in Joshua here, Joshua says to the people, you can't serve the Lord. He already knows. And can you imagine how grieving this is for a man that's led two to three million people across the Jordan River into the promised land, divided up the land, given them the possessions that God has given them, and realizing these people are not walking with God at all. They're already walking away from him. Can you imagine how much that hurts? How much it grieves? It's like you with your kids. When they look at you and say, mm -hmm. remember once, only once did she do this, but one of my daughters, I have four, <laughs> pray for me, they're still daughters, they, they don't, just don't give up, but one of them said to me once, talk to the finger, you're not worth a hand. Oh, oh baby, that was, we put her in public school for, for a year. <laughs> That was the last time we used that one. <laughs> she's still alive. 
she's still alive. <laughs> she's scarred, but she's still alive. <laughs> but but don't we do that with God? It just we we've already got an idol there, and we're blowing it off, thinking it's all right. It's not really hurting anybody, but you know what? It's killing your heart, and it's killing your walk with the Lord. And the results of it are going to come out, because out of the abundance of the heart, what the mouth speaks. Pretty soon it's going to come out. And if you talk with people long enough, you know exactly where they are. The, the more you let them talk, because people love to talk. They really do. You start talking, even strangers in the doctor's office, you, you just say one little word, and they're gone for hours. You know, you just, okay, please call me into the office and give me a shot, because it would be better than this. <laughs> But they, they love to talk, but as soon as they start, you know right where they are. You know what they love, you know what they don't love, you know what's bothering them. You let them talk, and you hear, and you listen, and you also know how to pray for them. Mm. It's sweet. We had a gal, we were going to Tennessee, and we stopped at a restaurant on the way, uh, and the waitress came up, and uh, at the end I asked her how we could pray for her. Uh, and she just looked at me in tears instantly. I'm moving out of my house today. And, and my husband and I are splitting up the three kids. And she was just done. Poor girl. She had to work the rest of the day. And I'm just sitting there making her cry. <laughs> but boy, it didn't take long for it to come out. And you know what? It, it, it's sweet, but it's also a place where you know how to pray for them. You know how to pray, pray for God to reach them and to touch them and to put people around them because we'll probably never see her again. But there's others there that God can send that will. And boy, that, that's the cries of our heart. Our hearts grieve over those folks. Can you imagine the families in Turkey and Syria all these losses, all this devastation, nowhere to live, wintertime, struggling, hurting, no food, no supplies. They're coming in now, but too little, too late sometimes. But God is still there, and he can still work. Lord, you've got to move in their midst. Please, Lord, touch their hearts and save them so that they have a hope outside of this world. Oh. And so Joshua... Just seeing that says to them, you can't serve the Lord. Uh, he's a jealous God. Uh, and if you forsake the Lord, in verse 20, and serve strange gods, so now the warnings come, then he will turn and do you hurt. Uh, it isn't that he's going to do you hurt. You're just going to suffer the consequences of your sin. And uh, he will turn and do you hurt and consume you. And after that, he has done you good. He's done you good. And you've, now you've turned. And you've gone that way and all you're going to have is hurt. And so many people that have started to walk with the Lord all of a sudden walk away from the Lord. And God, you abandoned me. You left me. He goes, I didn't leave you. You left me. I haven't moved. <laughs> We're the ones that move. And the people said unto Joshua, Nah, we wouldn't do that. Sound like donkeys, don't they? Nay. Uh, oh, that's a horse. Never mind. Uh, but we will serve uh, the Lord. And Joshua said to the people, 
you are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen the Lord to serve him. And they said, we're witnesses. So their own words are going to come back and condemn them. It isn't going to be Joshua that's going to do it. Their own words are going to say, we're serving the Lord, but look at what we're doing as we serve the Lord. Watching those movies, reading those books, cheating on our taxes. <laughs> Don't say that in, fr in front of our sister, because <laughs> Judy will come and get you. Uh, <laughs> she's got a direct line to the IRS, you know. Uh, so he said, put away those things, and they said, we're going to serve him. Verse 24, the people of Israel said to Joshua, the Lord our God will we serve, and his voice will we obey. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day and set them a statute and an ordinance in Shechem. He can't convince them because if a man can convince you, another man can unconvince you. I know it's not a word, but he can, they can do it. If God convinces you, you're never going to be convinced otherwise. Let him convince your heart of where you are. Don't, don't, you don't have to take it to another brother or sister and, and say, what do you think about me? <laughs> Let God tell you. Let him convince you and show you the idols that are there and the hurts that, that he wants to get rid of. Let, let him do that. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day, set them a, stat, a statute and an ordinance in Shechem. And Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law of God and took a great stone and set it up there under an oak. Uh, that was there by the sanctuary of the Lord. It's interesting as you go through scripture, you read about the stone Ebenezer. Remember Ebenezer means the Lord is our help. Uh, the Lord is going to be our help. They, they set a stone in that place. The Lord is going to be our help. He's our rock. And we see a great stone that was set here. But we also see another stone in the New Testament, don't we? And it's called a great stone, just like this is called a great stone. And said they rolled a great stone over the, the tomb of Jesus. But that stone couldn't hold Jesus back from rising again. That stone was rolled away. <laughs> oh, it's just amazing. This stone, the stone of witness, this stone uh, where, where it becomes a witness, is, and isn't the stone that the angel rolled away at the tomb of Jesus, a witness to the world of what God can do. We see these stones of witness. Remember, the Lord said, uh, if you don't worship me, even the stones will cry out. Mm. They're going to be a stone of witness against the world. Wow. And as you keep going and digging even further, what, what did they do with the people that sinned in Israel they stoned them a stone of witness against their sin wow Lord you use stones a lot don't you <laughs> I think that's why Israel's so rocky I don't know uh, so he wrote those words and, and put this stone there stone of witness for he had heard all the words of the Lord which he spoke unto us and it shall be therefore a witness unto you lest you deny your God so, let, so Joshua let the people depart, every man into his inheritance. And it came to pass after these things that Joshua, the son of Nun, uh, the servant of the Lord, died being 110 years old. And they buried him in the border in, in, of his inheritance in Timnasera, 
which is on the side of the Mount of Ephraim, uh, on the north side of the hill of Gaesh, and Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders that overlived Joshua, uh, which had known all the works of the Lord that he had done for Israel. It's interesting that after Joshua comes judges where they walk away from the Lord. <laughs> the ones that knew, the ones that were with Joshua, the ones that lived with him and saw the miracles and all the things, once they passed, everything of the Lord passed with him. They didn't learn from history. Ugh. And the bones of Joseph, which all the children of Israel brought up out of Egypt, buried they in Shechem in a parcel of ground, which Jacob bought of the sons of Hamor, the father of Shechem, for a hundred pieces of silver. And it became the inheritance of the children of Joseph. And Eleazar, the son of Aaron, died, and they buried him in a hill that pertaineth to Phinehas, his son, which was given to him in Mount Ephraim. Uh, so we see the, the end of this era, the end of this time that the Lord had there uh, with Israel. In, it's wonderful to read through this and to see it, but boy, uh, you look and see how quickly we walk away from the things of the Lord, how quickly we can depart. And that's one of the things that scares me to death is that one day something is going to trigger in my heart and I'm just going to walk away from him. I don't want to do that. I, I really don't. Down deep, I don't want to do that, but I know I'm just as susceptible as anybody else that something can come along and do something in my life and it'll just cause me to walk away and stop. We won't Thank you. Beat on me. <laughs> But don't beat hard because I'm old and I'm brittle and I'll fall apart. <laughs> if you have to send me home to heaven, that's okay. Uh, but then you'll have to pay the penalty, I guess. But they'll probably just give you an appearance ticket and let you go anyway. <laughs> uh, uh, what a blessing, huh? To walk with the Lord. And what a blessing you guys are to keep coming. But what a blessing it is for God to meet with us. And I'm just so thankful he does. Because could you imagine coming in and God saying, I'm done with you and not meeting with you? Oh, my. You are a blessing to us and your faithfulness. Yes, thank you. The teaching that you do. Keep going. My head's getting so big I won't get out the door. Come on. Uh, God is good. Uh, <laughs> Father, I just thank you so much. You, you're... You're such a wonder to us, Lord. Uh, we can't imagine a God who loves us so much that would come and die for us. Greater love has no man than this than he would lay down his life for his friends. And he says, I no longer call you servants, but I call you friends. Oh, Lord, uh, we haven't been much of a friend to you, much of a servant to you. And yet you put us on display for the whole world to look at because you love us and you're proud. And Father, it just amazes us. All we want to do, Lord, is to be faithful servants to you so that you can one day look at us and say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. And Father, we want to hear those words. 
So help us, Lord, by your spirit. Fill us afresh. If there's idols in our hearts, Lord, please show us so that those things can be removed. We don't want to put anything between you and us. We, we want that, that causeway to be free from obstruction, from detour. We, we want to be free just to worship you. And you've told us whom the sun sets free is free indeed, so Lord, help us. If there's anything there, please show us that we might remove it and that we might repent of those things and come to you with a, with a right heart, with a right motive, and going in the right direction. And thank you, Lord, that you lead the way. <laughs> uh, just so grateful, Lord, for the salvation you've given us. We just rejoice in it. We love you, Lord. We thank you, and we just ask that you just be with us now as we go from here and bless our day. Minister through us, Lord, as we represent you to the world that they could see Jesus, and it's not us, but you, Lord. We just ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.